We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Colm Kelly here, the executive producer of the Road of His Radio Podcast Network and co-host of the Road of His Overtime Podcast, along with the phenomenal Sean Siegel. The wait is over, the NFL season is here, and there's no better time than the present to sign up for a Road of His NFL Pass. You'll get access to all of our content, all of our tools, and everything you need to help you for that in-season success. As a loyal podcast listener, you can get yourself a 10% discount to a Road of His NFL Pass just by adding the code RVRADIO2021 at checkout. Or go to rotaviz.com forward slash podcast for more information. Let's go get those championships. I hope you enjoy the podcast. Grace attack, watch out! Burst of speed! Look at this freshman! Welcome to the home of professional football. Canton, Ohio. Hello and welcome to this extremely special, very exciting mock draft, Debbie mock draft. I am joined by Travis May from the C2C podcast and Matt Wispay, our Rotoviz fantasy football Debbie DFS podcast. <laughs> You're looking at me very strange. I don't have it written up in front of me and I always forget what it's called because I only the wrote of his college fa- college fantasy podcast. Yeah, but we don't do that much fantasy. We do so much more sports betting. So I just feel like it's ill named. Anyway, that's not the point. I'm joined by these two wizards to go through some Debbie stuff. I'm excited to be doing this. Uh, we're dropping this on both feeds. So um, go ahead and listen to it on both because you never know. There might be some hidden gems in there like uh, me not editing out some of Matt's cursing. Um, but but <laughs> we'll see where all that goes. Travis, how you doing, man? I'm good. I'm I'm in the middle of a college to Canton draft, campus to Canton league draft right now. And so it's uh, it's been really fun um, just to kind of get a fresh look at where people are actually being valued. Because, I mean, I, during the long off season. Uh, for college football like there's so much news that changes everything the transfer portal right uh, the incoming freshman class uh, like well is this freshman actually random early, coaching moves like enrollee uh, yeah there's so many things to break down uh news is breaking left and right after spring games right now and so it's just a fun time because there's always you know a, a flavor of the week a flavor of the day a player here and there and they'll go earlier than i thought they would and that lets some actually good players drop to me in drafts. And so, yeah, I am drafting college uh, fantasy football players in, uh, in April. Yeah. 
<laughs> yeah. I it's just want to point message. out that I think it's a very funny message that we got. And it was from Travis earlier today. Uh, I think it just said, dang, Spencer Rattler went two picks before me. And that should just tell you how that league is. So that was, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. I mean, I think that was like round eight or nine, by the way. So that's nuts. Yeah. Either way, I, I'm surprised he lasted that long. He's still got value in college and Absolutely. probably Devi. Um, yeah. Yeah. No, we were talking before we hit record just uh, how we are very much into these C2C leagues as well as Devi, of course. I know we are doing a Devi mock draft. I, I'd, I'd love to hear your thoughts just real quick, Matthew. Ooh, what, what are you drinking over there? It looks like an Oreo Christmas drink. It's not at all. It's called Oops All Berries. Oh. And it's a sour beer. All right. Is it any good? It tastes like berries. There you go. <laughs> so, it's so, so, yes, it's very good. Um, I was just curious, before I was distracted by your delicious berry drink, um, just thinking about Devi Leagues and just kind of how they are – we were talking about how like a few years ago, dynasty started getting a lot of um, attention and, and picking up a lot of mainstream um, kind of interest. How far do you think we are from Devi being something that people are talking about more frequently? Uh, you're hearing about it more often and maybe even some casual leagues start adopting that. Um, so when's Matthew Barry going to start talking about it? I mean, I think that's sort of the the trigger for when when do when do like styles of leagues become more popularized? It's PPR got, became the standard when Matthew Barry started telling you that it was the best style of league. When did um, Superflex start getting a push? When ESPN started telling you that hey, there's this Superflex thing, and we're going to start putting out rankings for it, and then all of a sudden they started dropping this Dynasty content, and that's really the trigger is when do they do it? I'll be honest, I still think we're like two to three years away because I think with each iteration, it's going to have a longer window on how long it takes people to to make the jump. So like Dynasty, people are now having to consider like rookies are real people that I can't just ignore. <laughs> um, and maybe I have to look at them as a prospect and like care about them for more than like one season or something like that. Um, so then now when you're talking about with Devi Leagues, you're you realistically might have to draft a freshman. Like if you wanted to get DJ Wangalale, when you had to take him at like in the first round when he was an incoming freshman. And, and now, now you might all regret of a sudden that, that picks <laughs> now that pick sucks. Like it's yeah. like it's it's this weird place where you have to like really val or I guess I'll use that one that's uh higher or more fun. Like Travion Henderson last year was going in the second round of mm-hmm. like non-Devi depleted drafts. Um, and to be, it was like two Oh one and you had to get him as a true freshman. And to be honest, we didn't think he was going to like start the beginning of the year. If you were watching spring reports, he wasn't Mayan Williams was the starter at a camp. Everyone was telling you with glowing reports that Mayan Williams was a starter and blah, blah, blah. So I think you're, it's harder. It's a really difficult audience to bring in because now you're not just trying to reach the person who watches the NFL on Sunday, because now you're telling them like, Hey, you know, that college game that you think is the minor leagues and isn't very good. Um, which I only say, I, we obviously know college is the more fun game to watch, but there are people who genuinely believe that who think college isn't, isn't fun. The playing talent is as good and blah, blah, blah. Why would I care? It's just, you have to try and get more and more people to embrace that more football mentality. And I think that we're, it, it's a hard ask. So I still think we're, I think we're three years kind of at a minimum before 
really Devi pops off with like the next where it becomes, if I say Devi league, you're, you're not looking at me like I'm a crazy person if I say it to you. And obviously not you guys, but like most, I would say most casual yeah. fantasy football players. If you say dynasty to them, they're like, Oh yeah, I've heard of that. I've, I, I think I'm thinking I might try one of those out. Yeah. Um, like, oh, yeah. We have with, that. Yeah. We have a keeper league. They think it's, you know, they think that's yeah. the same. Yeah. <laughs> And I think that's where it's like, it's this weird thing because if I, like if I were to go to my league that it was, has been a keeper league for 10 years, if I were to tell them like, Hey, now keep a hundred percent of your roster year over year. And you just now, the only way you're really updating is trades, add waiver wire and rookie draft. And that's it. There is no redraft each year. And they'd look at me like it was insane. So I think that's, it's, it's hard. Every time you do this, it's really hard because you have to get people to embrace more quote unquote analysis. Yeah. And I think, and I, with, I think it's calf. Don't you, Matt? Like, I think like, campus to Kenton formats are never going to be normal. Like no, ever. Absolutely like, not. A hundred years from now. Never like, no, like, <laughs> I get, like it's fun. I mean, there's going to be college a niche, fantasy, like a niche, whatever I think college fantasy could pop. Yeah. College fantasy could. It's it, just, there's no good place to play it. And there's not very much content out there agree um and i've been like in talks with various sites like hey i'd love to do this and that and and kind of the 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 posture is right now it's like there's just not really enough demand for it but it's like chicken it's this odd chicken and egg situation right because there right. there i think would be a ton of people more interested if there was an easier place to play if they could just you know have it on their espn app or have it on their yahoo app or have it on sleeper or you know something that was very intuitive something they already have on their phone to play their other leagues. But um, yeah, I think like normal college fantasy, like focus on like just the SEC or just the power yep. five, like that, like something more digestible than 130 plus FBS teams. <laughs> I think that could definitely pop, but what are we at? Like 132 now? Yeah. 133, I think incoming. So yeah, it's, it's, it's a lot, it's impossible for a normal human being. Uh, and we are not that, <laughs> to uh, right. ingest and, and process and do anything with that information. Yeah, I do think that like DFS, like with DraftKings and FanDuel, I think that will get the college game going a lot more as that becomes legalized in more states. Um, so I, I think people will be just putting their lineups in. Um, and I think we'll see that element kind of take off a little bit more. But as far as like traditional um, year-long fantasy for college, that's probably still a while off too, yeah. Yeah, that's which okay. is a bummer because college is awesome. It is, and and yeah. I mean, Debbie leagues are awesome, and that's why we're having a mock draft for the, that today because it's a lot of transition. Fun to just, yeah, I mean, we're just trying to predict the future, and it adds one more fun layer. Uh, we're only going to draft what like two rounds today, probably like something like that. Yeah, 30, 30, thirty rounds, maybe forty. <laughs> we'll yeah. just keep it at two. We'll, we'll you know later in the summer we'll we'll add maybe a third round. How about that? Mix it up. But just keep Ooh. it simple. Um, and I think it's it's a lot easier than people realize to just add, hey, mm-hmm. let's add two rounds of players, have two two of our favorite players from our teams in the SEC or whatever uh, on the roster. And I think that that's fun because you can already get your guys just one year ahead of time. So, yeah. Yeah, and it can still make the draft process. Like if you're already in a dynasty league, adding this isn't that big of a deal. Like no. you still get to enjoy your rookie draft. There's all the, there's every year, even the deepest league, there's – a few guys like a Kenneth Walker or a Kenny Pickett that pop that you get to um, that you get to draft uh, because they're not already rostered. All right, let's get into the rules. Matt, you're giving me crazy eyes over there. I don't know. If- Looking at my ranks. Don't worry about that. <laughs> <laughs> in, in shock and all. Um, 
<laughs> yeah. Just look over, hit the tab with my ranks on it, and it will uh, it'll be a lot easier to di- digest as there's nothing done. Um, so we are doing a Superflex Titan Premium Devi Draft. We're going two rounds. Um, we are going to implement two vetoes per person. Um, and Matthew, with with all that, if if I didn't forget anything, I, I believe you're on the clock. So I asked for the 101 before this. I sort of hate the 101. Like I, <laughs> I think it's a good spot because I think that you're getting you there are premium players right now, which is great. There are there are truly elite players that you can grab. But I'm sitting here looking at like four or five elite players, and I'm torn between do I take the safest or do I take the highest upside? Um and I think I'm going to go middle ground and I'm going to take a player that has Hall of Fame at his position upside with proven production. And I'm going to go Bijan Robinson. Um, he sounds super confident back in that pick, by the way. Super confident. I, it's, it's, <laughs> I, it, it's not that I dislike Bijan Robinson. It's that I think that there is an argument to be made for another running back two quarterbacks and an, and a wide receiver. I think with those five, you can make a strong case for any of five players at that spot. Bijan was probably top. He was probably the number two running backs in Debbie in Debbie drafts last year. And he did nothing last year to really devalue himself, which is to be honest, kind of difficult as a running back. I think most running backs that start off very high tend to slip in value as the year goes on and Bijan didn't have any of that. I think we we're still talking about a super high um, pedigree back and he's playing in a spot where he's probably going to get, I mean, I, I would be shocked if Bijan Robinson is not taken before the 64th pick next year. And for a running back, that's all you can ask. And I mean, that almost ensures that he's going to see the field fairly early in his career. And I, I just, I mean, I don't see anything wrong with him as a prospect. It's just a matter of deciding between which flavor of ice cream you want at the top. So <laughs> I'm going to go with Bijan Robinson. I'm going to go with my burnt orange, orange sherbet um, ice cream. And that's not ice cream, but screw you. Um, <laughs> and I'll take, uh, I'll take Bijan. Yeah. Um, I, I think, I think just looking at it as you, as you were talking I I think I would like to pick number four overall, <laughs> you know, like uh, to your point, there's a lot of really great options um, at the top. The guy I'm going with is a, a former track and field star running the hundred meters in uh, sub 11. Um, I'm going to go with one Trevion Henderson running back Ohio state um, dude balled out last year um, as um, as you talked about earlier, Matt, I just think uh, seeing his involvement, not only running the ball, but seeing how just explosive and dynamic he was in that passing game really just sets him up to be an absolutely dominant uh, running back at every level. And uh, Trevion Henderson um, going to have to wait an extra year or so than some of these other backs that we're looking at. But to me, it's worth the wait. Um, yeah, I'm going to go with him at the at the number two. 
All and right. yes, this uh, is super flex, even though we've yeah. skipped over that position. Yeah. But. I mean, and for those of you who are like thoroughly confused now, like what are these guys even doing? We're drafting future NFL stars, Debbie drafts uh, to be on our future fantasy football rosters. And we can challenge each other's picks if we think we are wrong or somebody's wrong <laughs> and veto. <laughs> and uh, I'm not going to do that just yet. Uh, but I am surprised that uh, B. John Robinson and Travion Henderson uh, both went and no quarterbacks actually came off the board in the top two picks in a super flex format where you can start uh, two quarterbacks. In fact, in one, in one of my leagues, my uh, college Dickenton leagues, we actually can start up to three quarterbacks uh, on the college side, which makes it kind of crazy. Love but this it. this is not that format. But, the, you know, on the NFL side, you can start two. Uh, so I, I am going to go with a guy that I think has every bit of the upside and safety built into his profile and his stature uh, to project both first round NFL draft capital and NFL draft success. Uh, Going to have a killer season. I, I believe he's a Heisman favorite right now. CJ Stroud quarterback, Ohio state. Um, one of the best bets, I guess, uh, according to Vegas to be uh, the Heisman, this Heisman, Heisman winner this year, even though he's losing uh, Chris Olave, losing Garrett Wilson. Uh, he still has Jackson Smith and Jigba who had a billion yards in that Rose Bowl game. He still has Marvin Harrison Jr. He still has Emeka Ibuka. He still has so many good wide receivers to throw the ball, plus Trevion Henderson out of the backfield to help him uh, and propel his NFL draft stock even higher. He's, he's basically a lock for first-round NFL draft capital next spring at this point, in my opinion. So anybody going to try to veto C.J. Stroud right here? Because uh, I try to I, – I dare you. No, there's – no. No. <laughs> I mean, I, I like the other quarterback that you could have taken in this spot. Um, devil's advocate, if you're um, a person who wants to, uh, who is not as, a, as I guess, familiar with Debbie, you might sit there and scream, well, why aren't you taking, he beat him out for the Heisman. He was, This is the Heisman Trophy winner you're passing up on. I'm going to continue to not say his name because it's a pick, but you're passing up on uh, him for CJ Stroud, whose team had two losses and he threw two picks against Nebraska, blah, blah, blah. CJ Stroud really does check all the boxes. He was super accurate. Um, and you can say what you want about how great his receiving weapons are. And yes, they are in fact spectacular, but he threw them open in a lot of spots and say what you will about the, uh, the Rose ball and how good Smith and Jigba is. Um, I think that you, there's a really strong case to be made that, Stroud's passing is part of the reason why Smith and Jigba was able to get a lot of those yard after catch um, type of plays. So I think we're going to see a fair bit of development out of him. I don't think you're going to see the, the iffy games that you kind of saw early on in the season with Stroud. Um, he's coming into the year. Or I say that now, right now he's fully healthy. Um, and at the beginning of the year, he wasn't last year. So Stroud is my QB one. Um, so I'm not going to argue this pick here. Um, yeah, and every every I'm sort every of annoyed Stefan took. Yeah. Like just analytically, like just from a film perspective, I mean, he's he's super safe from like a uh, safer from a like size and stature standpoint than the other guy that we keep alluding to as well. Like he and he is like like six three two twenty ish already. Like he's filling out, um, and he has mobility. He hasn't really had to show that off yet, but I think he does this year. Has a top ten analytical profile uh, in like the last. He's already 10 had years a pro already. day. Yeah. Uh, yeah, he's already he's had a pro day he, throwing. I mean, it's crazy. Like, the guy, he's going to be a first-round pick. So, yeah. Anyway, let's move on. And, Matt, I, I think you're going to pick the guy that we're talking about. 
unless you, you know, you know what? It, it sucks because this. I'm, I'm going to say this. I'm doing this because of the fact that I want to be on, intellectually honest with how a draft would go. If it were me on the clock, I would not take this person. But nope, I believe, then, nope. take, and that take is a the heart person pick. that you would take. No. Take the person that you would take no. right here. Because I don't want you to Come veto on. it. And for fuck you, Jackson Smith and Jigba, I'm taking it. He's the wide receiver <laughs> one. He's been the wide receiver one in his class since he joined it. It didn't matter that he wasn't even the top wide receiver prospect in his class based on 24-7 composite. Jackson Smith and Jigba, his first play at Ohio State was the most insane catch you will ever see because it was so good that the refs just ruled it. Oh, they were like, he's out of bounds because there's no possible way he could have caught that. Nope, caught it because he's that insane. Jackson Smith and Jigba, he had 1,600 yards despite playing with Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson on the same team. They're both going to go first round this year, yet Smith and Jigba is the best one of the bunch. I'm taking him because this is what I would pick. Stefan, can, or Travis, can you veto it so then I have to like hear Stefan take your side uh i'm not gonna veto it here's the thing i'm not gonna i'm not gonna veto it because because he is the safest pick of any player in college football to be good yeah i I think so i thought well he's up there anyway um but i think he's probably at this point the safest pick to be an early first round Mm -hmm. uh selection at the wide receiver position um He's slated to be a a target hog in one of the most high-powered NFL-laden prospect offense uh, in the country, like one of them anyway, like with with C.J. Stroud. And, man, it's going to be fantastic. It's three Ohio State players in a row, so that's a little weird and gross uh, being the boilermaker that I am. But uh, I'm not going to veto it. I'm not going to do it because I think he's in this tier. I think you could make an argument. I've not seen him go this high. But uh, if I was in a draft with you, he would, apparently. <laughs> I mean, to be honest, it's it's the Henderson versus Bijan Robinson. I think in some drafts, Bijan could slip to five, and that's where you get the you get the two quarterbacks, Smith and Jigba and Henderson, and then Bijan at five. I it's I think it's kind of a personal preference. And like I said when I was talking about Bijan in the first pick, there was I think Smith and Jigba is the safest pick in Debbie drafts because he is exactly what you're looking for in a wide receiver and he is very likely going to have a long pro bowl caliber career and i can't say that about a lot of players so yeah i mean i'm passing on quarterback i feel a little bit silly passing on a quarterback based on like the style of draft but if i'm picking honestly like i i think smith and jigba is more likely to hit in the nfl than bryce young hmm and that's fair because quarterbacks tough. Like even even when we think yeah. they're slam dunks, uh, they I mean, last us. year the debate was Spencer Rattler, Sam Howell, or DJ Uangalale at one hundred and one. Yeah, how dumb do you feel with any of those picks right now? Yeah, and, and we just didn't have very much information on one of those players. We do have, I feel like, a little bit more information on Stroud and um, yeah. Young, but and they're in situations where it's it's going to be really hard for them to miss, but. Yeah. So, right. I just gave uh, you a layup of a pick. Yeah. So, um, with the fifth pick, I am taking quarterback from the University of Notre Dame. No, just kidding. Yes. Oh, I'm gonna go with. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna go with Alabama's Bryce Young, Heisman winner. Um, the 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 concern is he's sub six foot. 
sub 200 pounds. Yeah, that makes me a little bit nervous. Um, you look at, if you look at the stat sheet, I, I think the, the rushing numbers might scare you a little bit. I think he only ran for 81 yards last year. Um, and in his freshman year, he had a negative 23. But if you watch him play, he is mobile. He can avoid um, he can avoid contact. He can get out, get out of sacks. He can run himself into a nice passing situations. Honestly, the dude reminds me a little bit of Russell Wilson in that. Um, I like Bryce Young a lot. Uh, I, I know I spoke mainly of the negatives, but that's because you guys had already um, spoke so glowingly on him. But yeah, almost put up um, almost put up five thousand yards and fifty touchdowns last year. Like the dude was nuts. Uh, so Bryce Young this late, I mean, it's a it's an obvious pick. If Bryce Young gets like 200 rushing yards this year, his profile is going to be insane. And that's kind of where my hope is. I hope that they use him as a, hey, run because you see seven yards to that to that sideline. Uh, hey, run because you see an open six yards and you might be able to get to the end zone. Like, I, I really hope they use Bryce Young a little bit in the running game this year. And if they do, his profile is just going to be so it's going to be a Perfect. slam dunk. And that's where, I mean, where he was a, I mean, I'm trying to, I was quickly going to trickle climb, try and pull it up, but he did run in high school. Like he wasn't yeah. a statue in high school. Yeah. And, and he, um, it's, it's more of like, he can, he just doesn't have to when you've got, he does, he chooses not to. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I think he will. I think both of these quarterbacks that we've already selected will fill out that aspect of their profile and a few games in which they probably have to uh, down the stretch and they'll have a plus, they won't have a negative yard. Uh, you know, performance on the ground in their peak year, most likely. So I, I think they're both going to smash this year. Both have some uh, added yards on the ground as well. So it'll be fun to watch and see how they both peak. But I'm going to move on to pick six because nobody's going to veto that one. Uh, and I'm going to go with a pick that might get veto, but I doubt it. Uh, and that is Jameer Gibbs, a running back, Alabama. Uh, here, so if if you didn't pick him, I was going to veto it and say Jameer Gibbs's name for you. Okay, well, thank you because uh, Jameer Gibbs, you know, averaging almost seven yards a touch at Georgia Tech, they have six wins in the last two years, uh, which is pathetic, mm. a, a joke of a program, and yet Jameer Gibbs uh, basically carried that offense from day one, uh, stepped into the starting role almost uh, immediately, and smashed for them. I had over twelve hundred yards from scrimmage just a year ago has almost 60 receptions in two seasons, was essentially the de facto wide receiver one or two, two years in a row for Georgia Tech on top of being their best running back. Um, maybe there are questions about his size. I don't know. Like, I'm not sure exactly how much he weighs. I think he's probably in between 200 and 210 right now. Uh, but I think that's big enough, and he's fast enough, and he is maybe the best receiving back in all of football at this point. At this point. And so – and he's going to a program that all they do is send running backs to the pros. So, uh, yeah, uh, he's in a situation where he's going to be, at, the, at worst, the 1A, if not the obvious anchor feature for one of the best programs in the nation, Jameer Gibbs, running back, transfer from Georgia Tech to Alabama. Yeah, I, I mean, I think it's a slam dunk pick. That's exactly who I would be going with here as well um matt seems confused though yeah no i i'm trying to decide because i think i think vetoes are going to be sort of difficult to come by as we go through this draft 
And I think you can make cases for other players in this spot. Um, but it's again, I think it's sort of a, I think Gibbs is safer than the guy that I'm probably going to pick at the 107. But I think the 107 has a higher upside. Um, but the one of the, so that's where it's, I was deciding, do I want to just veto for the sake of vetoing? Um, Travis, you can type him in. You already know who it is. Um, yep. Um, it's it's sort of a different difference of opinion on this one for it, and I think Gibbs is very safe. Although I would will say that I was the I was very low on him going into last year because I didn't think that offense was going to be able to do much with him. Same, and I do he's the think, person I've switched the most on. I think I think the fact Fools. that his transfer to Alabama Fools. and the fact that <laughs> he's probably I mean he's going in there and and pushed out a five star running back. He's going to jump a former five star running back. He's this it, it talks about a level of specialness to what he can bring to a program with his versatility. The fact that, and I'll just say the names like Trey Sanders is not going to ever be a thing. And it's in large part because Jameer Gibbs just took his lunch money. Um, Kamar Wheaton is, is now at SMU because Jameer Gibbs came in and said, all right, this is my running back room now. So I, I think that you're, you're talking about a, a very elite back and it's the reason I say a lot. I, I'm like talk about him sadly is because Ohio state had a legit shot at him and backed off. And it made me sad to see him go to Georgia tech because he could have been on the Buckeyes and part of just a super fun offense, but whatever. Um, all right, Stefan, do you have anything to add before I jump in with the one Oh seven after my ranting one Oh seven, Caleb one Oh seven is Caleb Williams quarterback at a USC. Uh, the reason why I think his, he, he proved last year how amazing he is because after like four weeks of playing, people were legitimately trying to talk about him as a Heisman candidate, despite the fact that he was going to have like four or five less games than Bryce Young and CJ Stroud. But his, his level of play was at such a high level and was on such a ridiculous pace that he was going to be really someone who you consider for the Heisman. And then it fell off as the year came on because freshmen eventually fall off. The reason there's some risk is because while he is staying with the same team or staying with the same coach, he's now going to a team that's kind of like not as good. Like USC is going to be good in like three in three years are probably going to be back to being the USC that people kind of think of, but their offensive line isn't what Oklahoma's is. Oklahoma was a Joe Moore award finalist every single year. Um, he had a whole lot of protection and they had 87 wide receivers that were going to go to the NFL. Now he's going to have some receiving talent. I don't know that he is a great, eh, I guess I'll say Travis Dye is a really good running back, but I don't think he's in, on a team that's like the very clear favorite to win his conference. So I, I'm going to take Caleb Williams. I think that we're talking about a guy who has the chance to be the number one overall pick in his, uh, in his draft class. He was the number one overall quarterback in his recruiting class. He's staying with a really, really good offensive minded coach. So I don't, it, it's, it seems like the easy pick of the spot. And since I haven't taken a quarterback yet, I feel like I have to make a case for a quarterback. So Caleb Williams. I'm not going to argue with you. What about you, Stefan? Well, you no. wrote it for me. <laughs> um, I, I'm, I'm there. And honestly, like Lincoln Riley and he being in the Pac-12 makes things look a lot more difficult for my Oregon Ducks. I know that much. Um, and so, who's no, the running I, I back that I wouldn't say? What Travis Dye? I said, and who's their running back? Yeah, Travis Dye. I just wanted you to yeah. say it. No, no, no. Former Oregon running back. 
Yeah. No. I. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> I'm ready to pick. I'm ready to pick, boys. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. I'm Real though, Caleb troll. Williams like already yeah. has a 90th percentile like season by any kind of pass efficiency mark and bonkers athleticism and and insane rushing. It's just it's almost perfection already. Like it was a soft schedule, mm-hmm. but oh my gosh. Like, holy cow. Like, we might be looking at this and thinking, why didn't we pick him over both Stroud and Young after this coming season? So, if, if you like Malik Willis, this guy's better. Yeah. Yeah. So, he's going to be the first overall pick in his draft. Yeah. I was, I was going to select him with this pick if he was still on the board. So, um, but I have a feeling that one or both of you might veto this next pick. Ooh. Um, but I am going with, um, your heart, not my heart. I went with your heart, Travis may I'm going <laughs> no, to select do the it. former, the, the, the four, the former fourth overall running back in his class, uh, running back who just put up a beautiful thousand yard season on, uh, on a team that struggled, uh, especially down the stretch. I'm going with one tank Bigsby and I'm excited to bring him over to my squad. Um, think he's going to be dynamic at the next level. Um, he has um, crescendoed above Matt's arbitrary one and a half receptions per game for running back. Um, Tank Bigsby is right there, so so he he kind of fits the mold in that one. Um, all right, which one of you is going to veto first? See, I'm going to veto. I'm I'm just going to do it. <laughs> it's a wasted veto because I know Travis is going to say Tank Bigsby over this player. I love ceiling plays. You know what's really fun? A player that's 17 years old, changes position midseason, and becomes one of the most prolific players at his position in the country. It's Braylon Allen. The guy's ceiling is the sky. Like, it, he's he's insane. Um, I, Tank Bigsby's great. Tank Bigsby's probably going to be the third running back drafted in his class at best. He's maybe going to be... I mean, he could. he's the type of guy that could fall a little bit further, although I do think he'll test really well. But... Braylon Allen has really kind of an absurd ceiling. And yes, he's going to be the second running back at best in his class because Travion Henderson exists, but Braylon Allen, because I have to do it because we have these two vetoes and you, you can't keep them for next, next time. So, <laughs> Oh my gosh, this is so crazy. Are you going to veto both of those for, for Xavier <laughs> worthy, Travis? I, I want to. <laughs> I do want to. I'm like, you're both wrong. You're both wrong. And and this is why I think we're going to get some vetoes actually showing up because we do get more opinionated as we go along on on the differences on how we rank some of these guys. Um, But so I, I am actually. Who are you? You can't. I'm going to. How much you defended Tanks Big? I'm going to say that Braylon Allen is the pick. Oh wow! Yeah. So okay. Okay. I think, um, given what we just saw, uh, you know, and they said this a thousand times. So that given what we just saw, that seventeen-year-old running back too, all season long. Uh, I mean, the question is like that. I, when I look at his profile, like, has there ever been a more impressive young running back in the history of college football? And I, I don't think there has Maurice been. Claret, like more impressive than seven games in a row of over a hundred rushing yards as a true freshman at age 17. I don't, I don't think there's anybody that's ever done that at any school ever. And, and not even at Wisconsin when they've had running back after running back after running back who have 
just killed it at the college level and then gotten draft capital. And some of them haven't worked out at the, at the next level, but uh, the current best running back in the NFL, Jonathan Taylor did. Yeah. And, and he didn't even do what Braylon Allen just did in his first season. Uh, so man, Braylon Allen is, is just breaking things. Like it, it's just absurd what he was able to do. Like we all wanted like Jalen Berger to be a thing. Nope. Ches Malusi, who had pedigree back in the day. Nope, you're going to be on the bench. In fairness, Bray- none of us wanted Malusi no, to be nobody a thing. Wanted, no, but uh, Braylon Allen just showed up. Hey guys, I'm a linebacker, but also I'm going to crush your face out of the backfield and put up, you know, almost 1,300 rushing yards and essentially like nine games, like just absolutely bonkers numbers from a 17 year old kid uh, who already, like last summer, I think, was already squatting over six 600 pounds. Uh, he's already like almost 240 pounds himself. Like it's just, if there was going to be a next like Derrick Henry and there never, there never will be another Derrick Henry, but if there was going to be a a freak like that, uh, it would be somebody like Braylon Allen. So I'm going to go with Braylon Allen here. And so, yeah, now you win. Congratulations. Um, I, I, I do like having tank Bigsby sooner than having to wait forever for Braylon Allen. Um, I, I think that's, I think we I think we can overlook that too often. Um, I also want to say I was doing two Debbie drafts at the same time, and Braylon Allen got picked in one. And in my mind, he was picked in both, and so he just sat there forever. And then right after I picked in the second round, someone took him, and I was like mortified, devastated. I wanted to cry for a thousand years. I'm done. What were you gonna say, Matt? Yeah, buyers for Morris immediately. It's it's yeah. I was like, thing. how did I not know he was available? <sighs> well, yeah. I mean, I, I think I think Tank Bigsby is really good. I'm not knocking him. I feel like I just had to make a case against him for the no. It's fair for Braylon Allen. It's and fair. Braylon Allen is it, to me is just kind of absurd. I think I know Travis's pick. Let's uh, hear yeah. it, Travis. One hundred nine. Uh, it's obvious uh, because I'm actually gonna go with Mister. Xavier Worthy, uh, right oh, here. Oh, he Basically, picked with his heart. I, I did, uh, and my head, if I'm really thinking about it, because Xavier Worthy uh, just put up one of the best, if not the best, true freshman seasons uh, in terms of like, you know, schematically or well, uh, volume adjusted production, like in a, like efficiency, any any way you want to kind of slice it. He just put up one of the most impressive true freshman seasons ever. Like the dude had just shy of a thousand yards. And 12 touchdowns, which raw stats-wise, like, you know, that doesn't pop because he didn't get to, like, around 1,000. But if you look at the the passing volume that he was uh, dealing with and the the changing of quarterbacks that he was dealing with and uh, all the other variables that, that go with Texas's anemic offense in the second half that just disappear sometimes, like, he was the only thing that was working all season long. He accounted for almost 40% of the receiving yards, had almost three uh, like yards per team pass attempt, which is one of the, the most impactful, meaningful metrics out there. Um, and so if you look at his like pro- his balanced production profile, it's it's a metric I, I've created for Rotoviz. It's the adjusted production index. Like if, And compare him to every drafted NFL wide receiver back to like 2005. He would already, as an 18-year-old, have like an 80th percentile profile. Like, it's just insane. Like that's, that's busted. Like no one does that. Like George Pickens, incredible season. Nope. Not even close. Rondell Moore's absurd season. Nope. Not even close because it wasn't efficient at all. Like it was, it was all underneath garbage. And so what, what Worthy was doing was just bonkers all season long, beating the best defensive backs vertically 
and over the middle and wherever he wanted to. And yes, he's a little bit underweight right now. He was listed, I believe, at 163 prior to his freshman year. Uh, but if he adds a little bit of weight, gets up over 170, like close to 180 by the time he's drafted, I'm not worried about it. And I think he's, he's pretty much a lock for first-round capital given how teams value speed, given how teams value production uh, in the NFL. And they don't care if you're undersized anymore. Teams invest in guys who can create their own separation, can make easy throws for wide receivers. And there's uh, you know nobody with as good of an early career resume uh, really left at this point. There's one other guy who has injury concerns and has just had to have uh, his second surgery to fix an issue. Um, but I'm not going to go that direction. So I'm going to go with Xavier Worthy, wide receiver, Texas. Yeah, so, and I mean, if you want him to put on like 7 to 12 pounds um, by his senior year, man, he can just hang out with me. I did that in the last two months. <laughs> I mean, he's... He's also with a a group. He's with a group of um, like coach. He's with a coaching staff that adding weight is not really going to be concerned for him. I I have no, no concern in my mind that he's going to be just fine weight wise. Um, I do have a question and it's, this is half serious half for our listeners. Um, So yards per uh, yards per out run is a stat that is starting to become one of the more, uh, utilized stats by the Debbie community. And, and I think that there's some questions. It's hard to read because like, to be honest, when you're here seeing yards per outrun, you're talking about the differences like two verse three, and it doesn't feel like it's this massive gap, but I'm curious, what really is that? Is there like a threshold? Like what is the, is the cutoff for like elite versus really good or something like that? I think the best answer is that that actually uh, depends on the conference. It depends on, um, I guess, seriously, it varies. Like, if you, even if you, like, uh, compare, and I won't, I won't really get into, in, into the, the tiers for each conference because I don't have, I would probably say the wrong cutoffs. I, I, the MAC is the lowest for what it's worth. Yeah, but it's um, it really differs. Like, from the SEC to the Big Ten, to the Big 12, to the Pac-12, like, there's, there's major differences, even like like the Big Ten West versus like the Big Ten East. Like there's the significant differences in terms of like efficiency metrics, like yards per route run specifically. But yards per team pass attempt, I found to be a little bit more stable in terms of statistical testing. And so I use that instead of uh, the yards per route run because uh, a lot of I said the wrong one. I definitely meant yards per no, that's okay. But as, as, per for run. NFL purposes, like that's super sticky year over year in terms of like predicting, um, you know, stable production production for wide receivers. Um, I haven't found that to be true as much with with college, just because the personnel differences are so steep every single year with these teams. It's it's hard to have um, a super uh, steady mark there. Um, but yeah, that, that's a great question because uh, yards per team pass attempt is definitely a little bit more stable. And so it has a, a better base like signal in terms of um, what it provides and to, in, in terms of like predicting NFL outcomes. Um, and Xavier Worthy is already like where he needs to be. Like he needs to be like average for yards per team pass attempt is 2.5 ish for like drafted wide receivers. Um but good uh, players that we like to predict uh, are going to hit in the NFL, get somewhere near like three or even higher. And Xavier Worthy was like around 2.9 yards per team pass attempt as a true freshman. 
Uh, and so that's incredible. Even if he just did, it peaked right there and never got any better by that metric, that would be fine. And so uh, I, I don't really have any issues with him. Yards per route run uh, is a little bit different just because of uh, uh, that. that's more scheme dependent, like how much they're integrating play action and, and, and things like that. Uh, that can really dampen the actual signal, uh, you know, scheme to scheme a little bit more, I feel like. All right. I, I appreciate that. I was just curious, like on that front of the 2.5 is a good number to keep in mind. And then pushing three, when you're talking about that, that elite tier of, of wide receivers, really what you're starting to look at. Um, all right. I've gone back and forth on this pick, but I'm going to take the guy that's throwing Xavier worthy, the ball at the one one ten. Um, he was a perfect prospect. And when I say that, I don't mean that like in some stupid, oh man, I watched his film and he did nothing wrong. He does stuff wrong, but he had a perfect 1.0 uh, score on uh, the 24-7 composite. And it's because each one of the three sites universally agreed that the number one player in the class of 2022 was Quinn Ewers. And then he reclassified and joined Ohio State in August and thought he was going to get meaningful reps after joining the team in August. Um, he got two snaps at Ohio state. Uh, he handed the ball off twice to walk on running back Xavier Johnson. I know these feel like I'm just like throwing out really useless things, but they really just like stick in my head that the perfect prospect, uh, came to Ohio state said he was going to start his entire career there and handed off twice to a walk on. (laughs) That was it. Um, so Quinn Ewers, he made the decision this offseason uh, to transfer to Texas. I can't blame him. He's going to become the immediate starter. Uh, to be honest, if I were betting the Heisman tomorrow, he's probably the guy I'm going to go lay a little bit of money on. Um, I think he has the opportunity for an offense that's going to be um, pretty dynamic. They've got a really, obviously they have a really elite wide receiver. They've got a lot of talent. They've started beefing up their uh, their line. It might be an off a team that has to win a few track meets, which will will boost his um, will boost his numbers at the end of the year. So he he'll have an opportunity. I actually think if I could just bet, will be a finalist. Uh, will get a New York invite. I would say Quinn Ewers is damn near a lock. Um, just because he's gonna have a lot of buzz around him, assuming he doesn't get hurt. So I think the juice is minus two hundred on that, though. I don't care. Just saying, don't just care. Um, so Quinn Ewers is, uh, is my pick here and it's, it's purely a ceiling and super flex format decision. I, I would say of the, he's the one guy that'll challenge Caleb Williams for that top spot. And it's, if he actually comes in and looks amazing for two straight years, everyone will go back to, well, this was the guy we dubbed as the next Trevor Lawrence. So yeah, I, I, I think it's about that time for me to start uh, doing silly stuff. Okay. Well, I'm going to veto and say that it should be Keishon Boutte instead of Quinn Ewers, even though I just expressed my concern about the... Uh, the foot the, injury does scare me yeah, a little bit. That's that's the only reason. It seems as though he's going to be in full recovery and be fine, but if that impacts his production at all, I think that could impact his capital next year a little bit. Um, so we'll see what how that plays out. Hopefully he recovers completely fine. And uh, is actually, you know, the wide receiver one that we all want him to be behind Jackson Smith and Jigba, of course, because, you know, I, I'm not going to argue with you right now. But <laughs> but yeah, Keishon Boutte, 
uh, definitely still in the mix for wide receiver one overall next year. Uh, so I think a player that we've already seen kill it in college versus Quinn Ewers, who we think will kill it in college. Um, I just feel like it's a little bit safer. If I'm like in the first round, I want to, I want a little bit more safety in terms of projection than a guy like uh, Quinn Ewers. What do you think, Stefan? Because it's up to you. Yeah, I don't know. I was just going to say maybe spend a few more minutes talking about Keishon Boutte since this is the pick and we won't be able to talk about him again later because... Um, <laughs> I win. I mean, yeah. it, so Keishon Boutte, his, I, this was the guy, I, I mean, for me, it came down to Boutte or Quinn Ewers and I went with... I, I'm, I'm doing this slightly because of the fact that I think it's super flex and you have to take some risks. Yeah. But... He had a receiver dominator during his freshman year of uh, 0.25, um, including 25% of yards, which I, I do think yards is a little bit more critical than touchdowns, if only because yards tend to be a little bit stickier. Um, he had 20 in his six games last year, he had 29% of the receiving yards, um, 53% of receiving touchdowns. So he only played six games last year. He had nine touchdowns, which is sort of silly. Um, I, I just think you're he isn't he he does appear to be an elite prospect and there was a legitimate case for him over Smith and Jigba last year because he was a true starter for his team and probably the one on his team versus Smith and Jigba was the four um or the three whatever that was on Ohio State's offense in twenty twenty. Um so Keishon Butte is great. I I, I do think that's pro it's the right pick, but I think there are going to be a lot of drafts where people do pull the trigger on a guy that we all coming out of high school said, well, this is the obvious pick. He broke drafts last year. Like he broke Debbie and he broke C to C last year because you, <laughs> a lot of leagues you were in, you had to make a Quinn Ewers rule. No one can pick him up. Yeah, no one can draft. Everyone him had already drafted and you can't just like add him off waivers like that. That would be so dumb. Right. So, so uh, like that's that's the type of prospect we were talking about because he would have been in C to C leagues last year. He probably would have been near a first round pick, if not a first round pick. And in Debbie leagues, he almost definitely would have been a first round pick. Yeah. So I felt like at the one ten it was the right spot. But to be honest, I don't disagree with your veto. I I once he said it, once he said the word veto, I I wrote you knew in it how it was going to go. You, yeah, I know. I was, yeah, I was yeah. watching. I was like, yes, you know where this is going, and you know you've already lost. But <laughs> but seriously, because <laughs> Keishon, we were robbed of like an amazing season. Like he uh, through like his six games, he was already on pace for like nearly half of the receiving offense uh, for LSU. It was like forty seven, forty eight percent dominator through that first six games. So if you actually count that as like a full season, even though it's you know half. Um, like it, his profile is absurd. Like if you count that as a full season, he's already almost got a 90th percentile production profile. So, uh, he was, yeah, he was killing it in that uh, smaller sample before he went down. I can't wait till he's catching passes from Jaden Daniels this year. I was, I'm going to be so about, hyped. So I was just hyped about to that. say we've, we've seen a lot of, uh, quarterback wide receiver tandems get, get drafted in this Debbie league and, and I'm on the clock. So with not the one eleven. You're taking I know I'm taking Tank Bigsby. Uh, all the reasons I said earlier. Yeah, I mean that, that would be weird if you didn't now, like having taken him three picks yeah. earlier. <laughs> I, I almost said that to you when you were like, I really, I just like the idea of having Tank Bigsby a couple of picks a couple years earlier. What I was like laughing at as I was thinking, I'm like, you're gonna have another chance to pick him. He's yeah. not getting picked between your two picks. So um, I, I like the uh, obviously I like the pick at 111. I'm not going to veto here. 
Um, good player. I'm glad. I actually am really glad he went back to Auburn. Yeah, because he's going to be fed like crazy. I mean, he had, what, 250-ish touches last year, and they're going to have to lean even harder in on him this year probably. So he's going to see a lot of workload. Like, it's it wasn't that I didn't like Tank. We didn't really talk about him earlier, but, I mean, he, he was like – my running back one, I think, coming into his... He was your running back one out of high school. Um, yeah. Yeah. What, wait, was that a question? No, he was. Yeah, he I was. was, telling he was. I mean, seriously, because like was. he does everything incredibly well. He's got almost feature back kind of size, and he plays like like a madman. Like He's really strong, has great vision, has all the, the film traits that people are going to love. He catches passes well, um, and he's going to be leaned in on uh, this year even further. So I think he could be a top three back in next year's NFL draft. And so given that, yeah, this is, this is the pick. So I'm not going to try to veto again. Um, but I feel like my, my next pick here, I'd pick 12 to round out round one and at the end of round one and every single format, it's like, eh, is this guy really a first round pick? Am I really taking this player at this slot? Uh, I think, and that's why one of you guys might veto him right now, but I am actually going to go with, Jordan Addison, Bletnikoff winner uh, out of Pittsburgh. Uh, the best wide receiver in the nation, according to those that write <laughs> on football. And so uh, 36% dominator last year, almost three yards per team pass attempt. Uh, just a, a monster in terms of consistent week to week to production. Like it was, I, I can't remember how many weeks in a row he had at least eight targets, <laughs> but it was like, it was like he had at least eight. I feel like it was at least six or seven weeks in a row last year. And yes, he's a little bit undersized again, uh, not even 180 pounds. And yes, he was that athlete designation coming into uh, college. And that's how he kind of slipped under the radar. Cause he was a four-star wide receiver. But he was also like this defensive back slash wide receiver. We didn't know which direction he was going to go. More than half the time, uh, if you have an athlete designation, you end up as a defensive back. So uh, there were a lot of people thinking he's going to go defensive back. So they didn't even rank him as a wide receiver. But my goodness, uh, over 1,600 receiving yards last year and 17 touchdowns. That raw production that those sports writers are addicted to got him that award because he's not the best wide receiver. He wasn't the best wide receiver in the nation, but he, he wouldn't have been a top three wide receiver on Ohio state. Yeah, that's actually probably true. He would have been, he would have been their, their fourth best wide receiver, but that's actually impressive. Like, cause, cause so would have, <laughs> so would have Jamison Williams. Jamison Williams. I mean, seriously. So yeah. Jordan Addison, uh, <laughs> this seems like the right spot for him. I think he is mostly going to be used out of the slot in the pros, but I think he can and has been, uh, demonstrating already that he can play anywhere that you want him to. He reminds me in that regard of Garrett Wilson and his deployment at Ohio State because, uh, yes, he'd be maybe a better fit in the, in the pros as a slot, but he can be all over the field and succeed as a deep threat, succeed as an underneath rack guy. So, yeah, Jordan Addison right here. Yeah, that that sounds good. I'm not going to veto it. I don't know if you want to, Matt. There's only really uh, there's a case to veto for another position, but I I'm gonna leave it because I I think Addison's a great pick. Um, yeah, yeah. Well, let's uh, run run through the first round, then jump through the break. Jump through the break. No, that's not an expression. Let's go uh, to the break got... and hear from our lovely sponsors. <laughs> At the 101, we had Bijan Robinson running back Texas, and then Trevion Henderson running back Ohio State. 
Travis took the first quarterback off the board with CJ Stroud from the Ohio State, followed by Jackson Smith and Jigba, wide receiver. Um, then we had two Alabama guys go. We had Bryce Young, followed by Jameer Gibbs. Then Caleb Williams, Braylon Allen, uh, originally a Tank Bigsby pick, which was vetoed. Um, then Xavier Worthy, Kayshawn Boutte, then Tank, Tank Bigsby, who was the vetoed player from earlier. And then Jordan Addison finished out the first round. We're going to hit the commercial. We'll be back in one minute. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. So I'm really excited to talk to you guys a little bit about Underdog Fantasy. It is one of the many apps I use for some wagering. And what I like about fan, Underdog Fantasy is it's so different than the other ones. The other ones are all pretty much the same, where you're picking spreads, you're doing the totals, maybe doing a couple of player props. But one of the things I love about Underdog is their new pick'em game, which is super fun to play, and you can do it for just about any sport. And you just pick your favorite over and unders on, on player totals, whether it's shots or goals or whatever it might be. And you have the opportunity to 20 times your money in a single night. I usually keep it a little bit simpler. I grab like my three, two or three favorite players just to get uh, maybe a three times or five times multiplier on my buy-in. And you get to sit back, watch the games, root for whatever it is you bet on, and then see that money uh, hit your account. I love underdog fantasy it is super easy to use just visit underdogfantasy.com or go to the app store google play store wherever it is you use sign up with the code rotoviz 
and Underdog will double your first deposit up to $100. That's Underdog Fantasy, promo code ROTOVIZ. Check it out. It's super fun. I think you'll love it, and it gives you a nice opportunity to do some wagering in a bit of a different way. So enjoy that. Again, that's Underdog Fantasy, promo code ROTOVIZ. All right, we're back for the second round. We're going to do lightning style here because we're already uh, burning the midnight oil for, for Matt. It's like almost, I mean, it's 8.15. He's, he's holding his eyelids open over there. Uh, kick us off in round two, Matt. Uh, I, I took him at the 110. Um, I'm back on it. It's Quinn Ewers. All the reasons I said before, he's the one guy that could challenge Caleb Williams for the being the top QB in his class. Don't veto it just because you want to veto. I'm not doing it. No, I'm not going to veto it. I'm not going to veto. Yeah. Uh, he's He wouldn't be my pick, but I'm not going to veto right here. I, I think that there's an argument to be made uh, that anybody that you would put in here wouldn't be uh, a very safe pick either. Like once you get outside of like round one, it's crazy. Like most years, it's not very safe. But this year especially, it feels like outside of like round one, it it, it gets dicier, like faster than I'm typically used to. Um, so, yeah. I mean, that, that might set up my next pick a little bit, but yeah, I think we can move on. Lightning round. Let's go. Yeah. Yeah. Lightning round 202. This one might raise some eyebrows, but uh, like you said, it's hard to find difference makers sometimes this late of uh, people that can be surefire. I am going with a tight end. This is a tight end premium. I'm going with Michael Mayer from Notre Dame. We have talked about how he has crushed and dominated. Um, he had 71 receptions for 840 yards and seven touchdowns last year. Um, he'll be eligible to come out after this upcoming season, so I'm excited to get him on my team, um, unless someone vetoes. I'm not going to veto that. No, this was no This way. was who I was gonna. This is who I was gonna put up against Jordan Addison if I thought of, if I did it. So. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah, seriously. I mean, Michael Mayer like having over 40 receptions as a true freshman, and then like 70 plus right. as a sophomore, and. And uh, Notre Dame is actually kind of in that conversation for tight end you like over the years as well. So I like, get they they send players to the pros. All right, I like this pick, and I think that there would be an argument to be made that he deserves to be around one player, which is crazy for for tight ends. But um, he's going to be an early first round pick, I think, in the real draft next year. So definitely uh, loving that pick right there. But I think I'm actually gonna, you know, I'm actually gonna stay at the position. I'm gonna. I'm gonna. I'm just because Ooh. he's not gonna make it to my next pick. And if I was right here and Ooh. Michael Mayer went, I would probably go with Brock Bowers, tight end out of Georgia. It's been like five years since uh, a tight end in the Power Five has actually had as many receiving yards as Brock Bowers just had this past year. But it's been like twenty. I, think, I guess it was what year was that? Mark Andrews, like his peak season. Like that was the last time. Uh, that we saw a power five tight end have like 882 or more receiving yards. And by the way, Mark Andrews uh, kind of killing it in the pros <laughs> right now uh, in, in not the tight end one, but in, in certainly the top three or four tight end in the NFL right now. And Brock Bowers did it as a true freaking freshman. And yes, he had a um, lower pedigree quarterback who likes to rely on that seam shot and underneath uh, a little bit more so than, uh, some other players that Georgia could have gone with national championship winner, Stetson Bennett. Yes, I am. I'm talking about national championship. You watch your mouth. Yeah. He's a good quarterback. He was efficient, but he also really relied on, (laughs) Uh, on Brock Bowers uh, to kind of carry him at times. Brock Bowers, just flattening defenders left and right. And uh, I know it's a couple years out, but he's as safe as it gets at the tight end position. There's nobody in his class. That's going to even come close to him. 
uh, in the 2024 NFL draft. So Brock Bowers, tight end Georgia. Yeah, there's there's a wide receiver that we're going to take later in this draft that he outperformed, and that should tell you how uh, how impressive he was. Um, I'm going to go with the safest wide receiver left on the board. Uh, he had a breakout season last year. He's going to have a, a very big season this year. Uh, and that's Josh Downs, uh, wide receiver out of North Carolina. I, I'll be honest. I have him above Jordan Addison. Um, he's pushing against Keishon Boutte right now for me. He's, wow. he's a really, he's a really good prospect. Um, to be honest, if his team didn't have two pros on it the year before, two guys, I should say two guys who were drafted because one of them's not really a pro. Um, he would have he would have been really really impressive the year before. So that I think Josh Downs is going to be. I think this is going to be a year where kind of everyone comes around on. Yeah, Josh Downs is awesome. So you get him the, after this season, and he's already got a really nice breakout year. So give me that. All right, I've got a controversial pick here. Um, well, maybe not. Muhammad Ibrahim at this point. Yes, at two hundred five, <laughs> I'm going to go with uh, Zachary Evans, former second, like he was a second highest recruit uh, running back in his class. Um, as we know, he just moved over to Ole Miss, which has lost a ton of production from that position. I think Zach Evans has the opportunity to really explode this year, um, and. I, I think he could really see a huge boost. Uh, so I'm going to go with him here. I think he has an enormous upside. Now I will say uh, the floor is, is is real low too. <laughs> he 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 could not be playing football this time next year. Um, but I love this guy and I would love to see him succeed. And let's go. Not going to veto that because uh, yeah, these first 17 picks are not in the same order, but they are my top 17 Debbie prospects. Like, <laughs> I mean, we're not always on the same page, but uh, these top 17, like immediately after this point, it becomes uh, less safe. Like I think it, from every single position group, I have more questions. Like I, I'm considering freshmen at this point. Like this is the, the, the part, mm. part of part of drafts every year where there's at least one freshman Really kind of creeps in this conversation. I'm not going to pull the trigger right here, but this is where I'm thinking, man, do I really want this player or do I want to take a, a, a shot at the upside of a player coming in that I think could have a higher ceiling? But I think the ceiling is just about through the roof for this wide receiver that I'm going to take here, and that is Mr. Ja'Cory Brooks, wide receiver, Alabama. Uh, and By the way, he didn't give me a chance to veto, but I wasn't going to. <laughs> You weren't gonna veto. Oh, you like with Zach Evans? I was. Con- I actually was considering vetoing Evans for what it's worth. But well, well, hey, uh, here's your shot to uh, J- you know veto Jacory Brooks here if you want. Yeah, screw it, veto. Um, I'm gonna go. <laughs> I'm gonna. I, I think Jacory Brooks made an impression at the end of last year, and I think that is kind of what people who are high on Jacory Brooks are going to really see is that. Hey, look, he was kind of the go-to guy in the big moments. And then he didn't really do a whole lot in the national chain, or I should say he didn't have the monster game that I was fully expecting in the national championship game without Mechie being there. So I am going to veto it and I'm going to take a running back. I'm going to take a running back from Clemson named Will Shipley, who Mm. had a pretty dynamic freshman season, uh, was one of the top all-purpose backs coming out of his class. Pretty dynamic. He's white, so he's going to get compared to 
Christian McCaffrey. So he's going to have stupid value when he comes out as a uh, rookie. So yeah, I'm going to no, that's not actually a reason, but it, it is a thing that legitimately is already happening. So Will Shipley instead of Ja'Cory Brooks. Real quick though. You know, I didn't really say anything about Ja'Cory. Like the dude since eighth grade, like he's already been like, he was like, they, they, he was getting offers back then because it was like, oh, okay, this kid's an NFL player. And he was a star on the seven seven on seven circuit. Uh, went to one of the, I guess, the best program, high school program in the nation, and was really solid there. Um, at every single level, he was playing against the top competition in the country and made them look like children. Uh, and they were children because it was in high school. But I mean, he made them look silly throughout the entire process. He kind of had a uh, an abridged final season. Uh, because of how IMG does their scheduling due to COVID, like they, they play nationally, like they're all over the place. And due to COVID, their schedule got chopped up. Some teams couldn't play with them. They only had like five games or whatever. So he had a shorter final season, very limited action, comes in, uh, misses some time in spring. Okay, he's he, we're going to have to wait a second on Ja'Cory Brooks because he's missing time with the scheme. He didn't have a, a great final season a senior year, but he's been this five-star freak wide receiver for years that we know is going to be a first round NFL draft pick essentially if unless he just does something stupid and then he goes to Alabama and he doesn't do a whole lot until he gets up to speed around midseason uh, and then catches the most important play of Alabama's entire year which was the the game clinching touchdown against Auburn and then he catches a touchdown against Cincinnati in the playoff and then he catches actually I mean, it wasn't a great game but he had six catches in the national championship against Georgia and so we're, we're looking at a guy who had five-star pedigree since like eighth grade. Uh, and he's, he's now clearly the incumbent, like in all the camp talks, like he's actually um, missing a little bit of time right now, but like, it's like it, he, it's him. And then Jermaine Burton, who we'll, you know, we'll get to here shortly, probably, but uh, like, he's the one stepping up in the stead of Ja'Cory Brooks, but Brooks is the guy. I think. And I think this year takes on a bunch of volume, I think alongside Burton, but becomes the wide receiver one for Alabama, which is automatic draft capital city. Uh, and so that's, that's my, that's my bid. That's my argument for G Corey Brooks. This is actually really tough for me. Um, when you vetoed Matt, I didn't know who you were going to say, and I didn't think that I would be uh, in a difficult position, but then you brought up Shipley and I was like, Ooh, actually that's an interesting choice. Um, however, I, I think Ja'Cory Brooks is has a safer route and has more upside um than Will Shipley. So I'm gonna I'm gonna stick with Ja'Cory Brooks here, but it was pretty close. Um I just think, man, all all the all the talent leaving that wide receiver room, the great John Mechie, um, you know, Ja'Cory Brooks <laughs> is gonna have a lot <laughs> a lot to a lot to you. work with there. Um well I guess we know so your yeah, next so pick. 207, Matt. 207, yeah, so I, 207 will shipley i i think he if if clemson can get their offense figured out this year they're a legitimate national championship contender to be honest if they get their offense figured out it's going to focus around this player right here will shipley um and not trying to force feed it to the same wide receiver that they've been throwing to for the past three years so um yeah well it's it feels like an easy pick here for me i think he's special um, so you can already write the veto in, uh, cause I know what's happening here. Um, and, 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 
and and maybe and maybe I'm crazy, but I am not done believing in DJ Uyunglele. I still think he could be absolutely dynamic um, this year and set himself up nicely for the pros. Uh, we we mentioned earlier that this time last year he was like QB one, QB two, uh, going number one or two overall. Uh, I still like him. Veto away. I mean, it has to be Travis. Um, wait, why? Oh, wait, are you out of veto? Because I don't have any left. And okay, I, I don't want to veto my second, myself. Uh, this is my second veto, then, I'll, I guess. I can veto myself. <laughs> and uh, I, <laughs> I'm going to go just because I want to see Matt squirm. I'm going to go uh, with Tyler Buckner, quarterback I hate Notre you Dame. so much. In lieu of uh, DJ Uyunglele, and some listeners might think that I'm insane for uh, even suggesting that Tyler Buckner should be in this conversation, but he was somebody that um, he had a, a weird route uh, to uh, stardom coming out of high school because he missed an entire year uh, after he was trying to transfer. Uh, but in his peak season, uh, he had an absurd amount of rushing yards like he had like over 50 passing touchdowns uh and he had like 1600 or something crazy rushing yards like he was the most mobile these the best most accurate on the move kind of quarterback who could throw off off platform could could reset his platform and chuck it at 60 yards i mean he was a five-star type player coming out of his junior year and then he missed his senior year had a year off and then of course the recruiting services um and this was, of course, due to just COVID and him him going to Notre Dame early. Uh, it wasn't a health issue at that point. They dropped him down, and he was like a, a barely top seventy ish player because he missed a year. So that's you know that's critical. But um, he he came into Notre Dame and pushed a guy who actually started in a Rose Bowl game. And Jack Cohn, I love to rip Jack Cohn to pieces, but Jack Cohn's actually a good player. Like he's gonna probably make an NFL roster. And so Tyler Buckner, being this guy who missed his entire senior year shows up and is clearly better already than Jack Cohn, but he's just maybe not ready necessarily to make a splash and uh, run the offense uh, like a fourth-year starter in Jack Cohn would. Uh, but he struggles at times, uh, but really the only significant action he gets is coming in late in a really tough road environment. I guess it was against Virginia Tech. Starts off fantastic, is immediately better. They benched Jack Cohn because Buckner was a better option. And he struggles because, you know, he's a freshman with a very limited uh, grasp of the offense at that point. But I think this year we see somebody who throws 40-plus touchdowns and runs for 800-plus yards and just wows and flies up in NFL draft boards and is the clear quarterback, too, in 2024 after Caleb Williams. All right, I'm going to – let me pull up my rankings. Sorry, that was a lot. make a decision. But – there's just so much. <laughs> Light, by the way, sweet lightning round. Um, yeah. <laughs> my rankings, I have Tyler Buckner at 37. I have DJU at 49. I hate you, but I'm <laughs> I'm doing Tyler Buckner because I, saw, I hate both of these You have such short memories. No, I think DJU is great. I think they set him up to fail because I think the way that DJ Uangalele is going to be successful is if he is running a Cam Newton light type of offense where he is running, where he has um, multiple options at wide receiver, not just the, hey, we got a bunch of six foot five guys who can all run out and stand there. 
Um, and I think that offense is putrid at the moment. And part of it is because they genuinely have set him up to fail. Um, so I, I, if but I, Buckner being this is more likely to be the starter at the end of this year than DJU. And that feels gross saying that because I think DJU for me would have been the one one last year. So cool. Tyler Buckner. And I don't feel great about it. Awesome. I'm just glad that <laughs> by the way, I wrote Travis. it as yeah, you, I will you say you held true to your rankings. He is the next person on your board. You are not purely a troll. Oh my gosh. Anyway, this is where I definitely uh, don't like my my board. It's it's just huge question marks galore. Um, and I, I'm really second guessing even how I have them currently ranked at this point. Screw it. You know what? No, I, I screw it. I'm just going to go. I'm going to go with uh, Nick Singleton running back Penn State. I'm going to go off my board a little bit and say uh, running back. Penn State, he's a freshman this year. He's my running back one in this class. There are a few other good running backs in this class, but really love the strength and conditioning program at Penn State. And Singleton's already basically a feature back that's ready to go at this point. So I know that uh, Mr. Ohio State probably doesn't like that a lot. And if he had a veto, he would use it. But uh, I think I'm going to go and shoot for the stars with a running back who I think locks up kind of that running running back one discussion in his uh, draft uh, fairly soon. I mean, I'm just going to veto just because I haven't used one yet. And I'm just going to go with a, a, a proven talent at the wide receiver position in um, one Quinton Johnson from TCU. Uh, so I'm going to put him up against your Penn State running back and Matt gets to decide where he wants to fall on this one. Dude, can we not make me have like actually difficult decisions? I really like, <laughs> I, I think a lot of people do, they have a case with uh, Nick Singleton as the running back one. Oh, see, here's the thing. For some reason in my head, I thought that Johnson had like a terrible year last year. He didn't. He just didn't play a lot of games. Yeah, he didn't. Uh, and Johnston, I, I, I actually had him. Johnston. Ranked- yeah, I mean, I had him ranked. You have really him high. higher. Yeah, and right now, but I've got. Uh, while I think Singleton is the on the clock, I, I, this is where I would go. I think you're. I think that's probably a fair. I at this point, I think by consensus slash blah blah blah. I I probably would just say I'm gonna lean with the veto here. So I'm gonna go. The pick is Quentin Johnston. Okay, that's fair. Matt, to you. <laughs> Nick Singleton, come on down. I'm <laughs> just kidding. I'm not actually. I, I, by the way, John, the reason I did it is because Johnson was who I was picking. Um, and this is another one where I'm probably going to. Ooh, screw it. Uh, here's a player that I, Travis has much lower. Uh, he's a quarterback that I have a whole lot higher than either of the ones you guys just put up there. Um, Jackson Dart, who just went to a real fun offense. Um, and honestly played pretty well in a USC with a USC team that was not going to be very, was definitely not as good as the team he's going to play for now. So I'm going to take the court, new quarterback at Ole Miss, uh, Jackson Dart. Debbie drafts are so much fun because I can see on Travis's rankings that he really hates my pick. I don't hate I it. Kinda I kind of like it. Yeah, I, I just it, there's a lot to unpack with uh, with all that, but 
No, I, I think that he's going to put up numbers just because of the scheme. Um, but but yeah, I, I, I mean, right he put up numbers last year mm-hmm. as well. In his first game, and then basically would suck thereafter. But, you know, and it was a lot of volume. Cool, but cool. He has cool face paint. That's he does. A plus. He's got cool eye black. But, nah. I, you know, I, I like you know the Martin. dude. I do. He's up there for me. He's just not, not quite this far. All right, so, so I okay. guess by the law... The law of veto power. I I have to pick DJU again. <laughs> yeah, I think you, you don't. DJ, you can you pick here. whatever you want. No, um, I honestly I I was going back and forth between between him and Cade Klubnik. Um, I want that Clemson <laughs> quarterback. Woo! <laughs> no, um, I just think both of them have the uh pretty high upside. Um, so I could take either one of those. The dude whose name I want to shout out because I think he's just gotten. Uh, he's been forgotten this year, um, but there's a whole lot of real estate up for grabs in Oregon's backfield. And I just want to say Byron Cardwell is going to feast this year, and he is going to be someone that we are definitely talking about this time next year um, in our Debbie drafts. He will be taken in those first two rounds, guaranteed. So By- Byron oh. Car- Cardwell is a, a shout out for me right here. He is well. like a fifth or sixth rounder in like college to Canton leagues right now. Not even joking. I literally had to go look up who that was. Oh, fuck um, off. <laughs> I'm not even like, this is part of my, I don't pay as close of attention to the mid, you so like the Pac 12. I genuinely just had to go look him up. Mr. The Are you taking DJ Uangola here Cardwell? so I can. <laughs> Guys, I uh, anyway. Are you taking so DJ? DJ U's take, yeah, I'll take DJ U. But I just wanted to <laughs> shout out those other two guys. I, I knew you weren't going to take Byron, so okay. Uh, well, in my uh, last pick, I have to take by by that same property. I have to go with Nick Singleton, Penn State running you back. You can give us another shout out though, since you. I will. Nick Singleton yeah. is the play here, but uh, Devin Achain uh, from Texas A and M might be the fastest player in college football like he's a he's a sprinter like he runs track for texas a&m he's been logged with several touches over 22 miles per hour uh which is just nuts and and so uh we're talking about a player who is undersized right now i think he's probably once he gets to the combine he's still going to be you know 511 195 ish uh you know after he just you know stops being the track star and realizes hey i can be a day two pick and he's going to be the fastest running back by a lot in a very, very good class next year. He's going to run like a four two eight or something like that. Silly. That just doesn't happen uh, for running backs. It's, it's seriously, seriously, seriously that fast. Um, Like he trains in that already all the time. Like it's just not normal. So he's going to just break stuff next year at the combine and he's going to be a day two pick. Uh, You can almost lock it up uh, because he was the better, more explosive Texas A&M running back this year. And that's really not even debatable. Like Isaiah Spiller is, is good, like very good. And he's going to be a top probably three or four uh, running back in this class. But Devin Achain was more explosive and has averaged like seven and a half yards per carry over eight yards per touch. And so that's, that's, that's a player I'm definitely taking shortly thereafter this range. In fairness, it's not that much harder to be more explosive than Spiller who runs a five, four 40. <laughs> so mean <laughs> Matt was there anyone you Forced. wanted to shout out before we take off 
Uh, the only name, and this is a guy that I, I think actually probably does go in top two rounds, um, is Jermaine Burton. Right, uh, yeah. I think out of Alabama, we mentioned him earlier when we were talking about Ja'Cory Brooks. I think there's a real chance he does go in and becomes the one in that offense. He Early spring reports are that he is out there kind of being that. But I, I mean, I, I also think there it that doesn't mean I'm against uh Ja'Cory Brooks I also think there's a chance that Jojo Earl comes on sometime this year and really kind of establishes himself as a guy that we need to be paying attention to for the next season and then one last name that I have to say because or it's a pack two wide receivers I'm lying to myself uh Emeka Ibuka and Marvin Harrison Jr. um one of those guys is going to put up pretty ridiculous numbers there's a decent chance that they actually end the year with fairly similar numbers but if you're looking at what happened in the Rose Bowl last year, I think the early edge has to be on Marvin Harrison Jr. Just because, I mean, the dude's a freak. He's six foot four. They list him at six three. He's not six three. He's six foot four and like two thirty. He's a freak, and he's when it comes down to who's going to be in the red zone, he's going to score a lot of touchdowns this year, and it's going to be intentional. So, yeah, those are kind of. There's a lot of wide receivers right now. And they're all going to be. There's a lot of really good wide receivers in college football. Yeah. So no. Yeah. Um. Even just finishing off this this mock draft here, I'm looking at all these other guys I want to talk about. Uh, and it's a good thing we have a couple months before football season. We have plenty of time to do that. Um. I'm looking forward to kind of jumping into some of our positional breakdowns and and talk about some guys I I like. Um. I wanted to talk about C.J. Williams, uh, for example, uh, incoming freshman. Um. For, for USC that I think is going to absolutely smash. And we talked about Caleb Williams earlier. Like, I think they're just going to pair up beautifully for a couple seasons here. So a lot of really exciting names. Um, Raheem Sanders. Yes, Zach Charbonnet. A nice I don't, How did line. we get through the whole episode and not say his name? Oh, trust me. I was holding back. Um, anyway, we are at the time. Uh, thank you both for uh, joining us tonight on this fun crossover episode. Um, again, uh, always fun mock drafting with you two in that veto always is, you know, it always is a little humbling, but that's okay. Um, any, anything, uh, you guys want to share with us some, uh, some content you have coming out, Travis? Uh, yeah, I've got several things I'm working on. Uh, just a bunch of rookie contract, uh, contract content. <laughs> Good job, yeah. man. I did not know. Yeah. I'm going to be signed for the NFL yeah, at age 32. Uh, no. But yeah, rookie, rookie content, that's where I'm going to be living for the next several weeks. But you know, once we get to summer, I'll be shifting to a bunch of Debbie stuff, of course. So um, yeah, rookie guide uh, coming out right after the NFL draft. That's going to be going to be big. So it should be fun. Perfect. Matthew, <laughs> different um, question. Anything you'd like to really leave write. our listeners with? <laughs> yeah, I was like, I don't really write anymore. Um, <laughs> Bye, Kion Gray's. Okay, there we go. Y'all have a great night. We'll talk to y'all later. Excellent. Yep. Excellent. Did you know that most vitamin D3 supplements come from sheep's wool? I'm Kat, founder of Ritual. We're making traceability the new standard for the supplement industry. When I was pregnant, I couldn't find a multivitamin I could trust, so I created my own. Ours is made traceable, third-party tested, and clean label project certified. Oh, and our vitamin D3? It comes from sustainably harvested lichen from England, not sheep. 
Trace for yourself with 25% off at ritual.com slash podcast.